Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you're listening to this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. On today's episode, it's part two of our conversation with Nick and Jack from The Best One Yet. Nick and Jack reached out to us right when they went independent to ask us questions about how to do a video podcast on YouTube. And the interesting thing is that for us, we wanted to ask them questions about how we could do better on audio. So it was this mutually beneficial conversation, but a lot of the questions they have are questions that come up a lot for us with other creators. So we felt like this conversation was really positive to just bring it to the audio feed and allow you guys to listen in on this conversation we had with other creators about bringing their show onto YouTube. And before we get into the episode, some quick podcast news. We have crossed over a thousand reviews. So thank you to everyone mm -hmm. who reviewed the pod. A thousand ratings on Spotify, 4.9 stars. Someone didn't think this was a five-star experience and brought our average down to 4.9, but that's pretty good. Are we at exactly 1,000 reviews? It looks like it. Exactly 1,000. So if you've been enjoying the show, make sure to review and let's get into it. Here's our second part of our conversation with Nick and Jack from The Best One Yet. Long-time listeners, first-time callers over here. I mean, the main thing right now is, given that we put on a daily show, mm -hmm. we know there's only so much we can do. And we think our biggest opportunity for growth right now is doing more with the video. So the wonderful thing about the video that we produce every day is it's the same as the podcast. We simply turn on the camera now. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, according to our editor, not that much harder at all to edit an a video podcast versus a, an audio podcast. Mm -hmm. You kind of just align the audio with the video, cut the audio just like you always did, and now there's just video that comes along with it. Um, so for Nick and me, video is a great second product because the marginal work is just an AV setup for us and carrying more equipment when we travel. <laughs> we want to cut it up, find ways to be discovered in YouTube, and then also, you know, we want to talk TikTok as well. We think YouTube and TikTok is where we have untapped potential to uh, reach new audiences. Okay, this is great. This is fantastic. So my first opinion, I agree that I don't think you have marginal cost when it comes to producing a video podcast, but I do think you have a marginal cost when it comes to distributing a video podcast. On YouTube, you're playing a discovery game, right? Yeah. Like the whole thing is a discovery game. And the discovery game comes through titles, thumbnails. So first and foremost, to take a step back at what you've already published, the, the things to look at are, you know, what are your highest click-through rates? Uh, and what are your highest, you know, AVD or retention? I would say, whereas the, the consumption pattern on, you know, audio is that people are going to listen, like, especially on a 15 minute daily show, people are going to listen all the way through on YouTube. They're going to make a decision probably, you know, 30 seconds in, if this is the video that they clicked on that they actually wanted to invest in. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would say the distribution mechanism and like how right. you invest in distribution is going to be different. I, I think we can use a prime example here. Your most recent mm -hmm. episode. Uh, which on YouTube, and this might be the same titles on on uh, Spotify, mm -hmm. is Duckhorn's Millennial Wine Thesis, Apple's Chicken Slash Egg, iMessage, Solar Stocks, Dodgeball. So I think if you look at that title, that's three things that are a little bit vague for someone who is not intentionally seeking you out, but may just come across that that video. And when you think about the actual substance of what you guys are talking about, let's take the the wine thesis as an example, there could be a really interesting uh, way to package that where it's like, 
why millennials will pay more for wine or something, which is something you guys go into. You know what I mean? Or even like Apple's chicken and the egg. We had a video that we titled yeah. The Problem with Apple, and it like took off, right? And the thumbnail was representative of just that mm. one concept. Uh-huh. So I think if you guys think about amongst your three, what is the strongest concept in there that might have a little yeah. bit of tension, that might have good SEO, and let's package it from a title thumbnail perspective uh, around that topic. So that someone who doesn't know who we are uh, may come across this video and say, oh, I'm interested with the problem with Apple, or I'm interested in why uh, millennials pay more for wine. Interesting. So it's almost like the content is unchanged for all of this. Like once you've, we've created the content, you know, it seems like it can be distributed up in different ways. And one question Jack and I have had related to this is for this role, essentially, um, of repackaging this material, the same audio material, the same video material, but for YouTube, for that repackaging, for that distribution, you know, is that a creative job or is that almost a scientific job? Um, and then on top of that, is that a job that a full-time hire on your team should do? Or is that a job you outsource to an agency to do? Mm. Because we feel like that's related to, is it creative or is it scientific? Uh, I would say there's like a cottage industry of thumbnail designers that has emerged, right? Like uh, for YouTube. And, and uh, <laughs> I will send you their their Twitter names and their Twitter, Twitter handles. That's kind of where that whole industry has has uh, emerged but it is it's fascinating because it's it's a lot of science um but it's also going to come first from you guys and your brand of how you want to show up on youtube how you want to be represented but i think what colin is saying is absolutely correct that you know phil defranco is probably the closest thing to a multi-news story daily show are you guys familiar with phil defranco no okay Take a look at Phil DeFranco's channel. He does. He's been doing news every day on YouTube. I think for ten years. Okay. It's the, mo- the most successful, you know, daily news story wow. um, channel on YouTube. Um, and and when you look at his titles and thumbnails, yeah, you'll start to get a sense of like, you know, he's packaging with the most searchable, the most um, intriguing piece first. Uh, and his thumbnails are, you know, somewhat sensational, and they they work mm-hmm. on YouTube. So I would say like search is massive on YouTube. Right. It's the second biggest search engine right next to Google. Uh, So uh, when you think about your Mm -hmm. title, it has to be something that's searchable, recognizable, something that has tension in it, something that's going to create enough curiosity in the viewer to to click when they see it and recommend it. Um, And then the thumbnail has to be designed first to match your brand. I think that's really important that you guys have to be excited about how it looks and feels. But that you know, has to be something that's driving uh, that, that it's backed a little bit by the science of, of click through rates on YouTube. Yeah. And I think when it just last thing I'll say, when it comes to like the amount of tension or drama in the title thumbnail, if you look at Phil DeFranco, you'll see a lot of that. Like there's a title, like guess who got canceled? I don't (laughs) think you guys are going in that direction, but it's good to think about uh, having that tension and a little bit of drama and then you know, we've always told people and this is the advice we've gotten as well is like scale back to what's comfortable for you. You know, like there's another title that Phil has the truth about Disney. That may be a title that would work for you guys, right? That's not like super dramatic. So I think you guys, you guys are YouTube masters. I mean, <clears throat> we just saw your newsletter about your success on shorts. 
Mm-hmm. And we we've actually previously spoken, and you said shorts was right. your suspicion at the time was that was the best area for us to grow. Glad you've found success there yourself. Given that you've kind of optimized, are you guys doing this yourself? Like optimizing your YouTube titles, descriptions, and thumbnails. And if so, if we took our our fifteen minute show and yep. we cut it into three separate clips, Colin, one for each story, so that they're <clears throat> searchable and more compact. Plus maybe like a fun recurring fact of the day segment or something. Let's say we take our daily show and turn it into four clips that have good thumbnails, good titles and descriptions. How long does that take? And like if we, if we hire a freelancer, how many hours does it require to do this well? I would say that's, yeah, that's, that's hard to say. Of course you need the expertise. I would say like, cause you, you might start recording a little different for YouTube, right? Like one thing that we focus on a lot is the hook and, and we write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite the first words that are going to come out yeah. of our mouth for a YouTube video. Um, and the reason is because that's, that's a, has a huge part of the decision-making. If someone doesn't make it to 30 seconds, like, you know, they're not, they're not making it. Um, and so the first five, if you watch a Mr. Beast video and you break down the science of it, like neither of us make Mr. Beast videos, that's not the expectation. Yeah. But if you just break down the science of what he's doing, it's like by 12 seconds, two storylines have been introduced. Right. And so it's like so much is happening. Yeah. And I do think, um, Guy Raz, just to, to bring him up again, uh, he said to us, his show is slow TV which I thought was really uh, interesting that like the, the expectation of the audience on his podcast is that they're going to listen to it and relax into it. And I think that is generally the expectation of podcasts, but I don't think that's the expectation on when you're, when you're a viewer on YouTube. So I think that's uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, that's the important thing is that you might actually, if YouTube is a big part of your success, it might be a either freelance or yeah. you know someone who's more regular who's working on your YouTube videos, but saying, "Hey guys, uh, when we're done, can we record these intros for YouTube specifically?" It might be more of like what Samir's saying, uh, yeah, a native YouTube producer yeah. editor who, yeah, I think like if you really want to grow on YouTube and that's important, you got to have someone that sort of lives and breathes it and understands, you know, from upload to upload, was our click through rate on the thumbnail lower? Yeah. What was the average view duration? YouTube gives you all these amazing metrics and you kind of want that producer editor who is tuned into them at least so that they can make the right adjustments. For example, we did an interview recently, um, two, two episodes ago and you know, our, we, we looked at the data after a week and recognized that, um, we had a 50% drop off after 30 seconds. And that's really significant. And what we recognized when we went back is that the title and thumbnail didn't match the expectation of the first line of the video. And so we we aggressively adjusted that for our most recent upload and saw basically a 20% drop off in the same amount of time. And I think to to get specific about that, I think we should give that example. Sure. Uh, The title of the episode was The Most Badass Human on YouTube. And when you click, the first line you hear is, YouTube is like a resume. And then it goes into a badass montage of all the things she's done. But in the first seven seconds, the expectation was not met that you're learning about something yeah. badass. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you thought you were finding the, you were going to hear about the most badass human on YouTube, and you're hit with YouTube strategy yeah. 
Right. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. that expectation matching is first the, the yeah. first you know job of a creator on YouTube is to build mm-hmm. enough tension and curiosity with the packaging, the title and thumbnail to get to a click. Because if they don't click, they don't watch. That's like period. Right. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is expectation matching, and then the third thing is introducing more unclosed loops, which I think you guys have in your show naturally. Right. Unclosed loops meaning. You've essentially introduced a story that isn't closed yet, and I have to wait to to allow it to close uh, by the end of the episode, right? And so when you introduce something uh, that yeah. you're going to tell me, yeah. like the reason we listen to your pod all the way through is because you guys do that so well. You introduce things to us that aren't closed until the last bit of the episode. Mm-hmm. We show up front that there's a payoff if you listen through it. That there's a payoff, mm-hmm. yeah. So you have mm-hmm. that, uh, but you're going to have to invest right now into exploring how to package these things for YouTube. And then that might also dictate how the content expectation matches the packaging. Yeah, I kind of feel like to go back to our analogy from before, Jack, it's like we had, we're had we going to the market and serving the restaurant, and now we just found out we had to do takeout too because it's the middle of the <laughs> pandemic. So we have to we kind of shift the way yeah. all the dishes are served so that they work in a takeout container, not the dish you get at the restaurant. It's kind of like Taco Bell, how Taco Bell is like the same ingredients, but they're they're just packaged in different ways for different things. Like a chalupa and a cheesy gordita crunch are the yeah. same thing. They're just, yeah. yeah. I don't eat Taco Bell. I'm just, I've heard from others that this is the situation at Taco Bell. My friend eats Taco Bell. So it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like, you know, hire a YouTube native editor. I agree. We're still working on that. Okay. I thought you were about to and announce the, the job thing, right yeah. here, right now, because there have been people who have gotten hired via this platform. So we are, yeah. we are looking for this and you can reach us at okay. T-Boy Pod and okay. we're probably going to do the same on our show. But okay, great. the other thing that that's real news to us and that's really helpful is perhaps Nick, we should build into our production process <clears throat> a new quick intro proactively that we know will be the intro for the YouTube clip rather than rely on our headline from the podcast to introduce people to the show or, or just change our, podcast, our hook to the podcast yeah. so that yeah. it also works for YouTube. Yeah. I don't want to change the podcast recipe too much, mm-hmm. but yeah, it might just be the hook lines. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think like, you know, I, I'm curious for you guys. Why, why do you think, um, why do you want YouTube to be a part of your strategy? It's kind of an interesting thing you mentioned before Samir, which was discoverability with podcasting is hard. Um, so one thing we think there are two things we're thinking of one is a means to an end YouTube as a way for growth because you can essentially play the system to get discovery, get new people. If we divide up the pod into a bunch of clips and people like those clips, then they'll want to enjoy the actual whole podcast. So that's one is as a growth driver. The other is as an engagement driver right now, when you listen to our podcast, where does that community live? Where are they asking comments? Where are they interacting with each other? The other challenge to podcasts besides discoverability is the community aspect. It's a one-way relationship. Mm-hmm. So where can our audience engage with each other and us? Right now, it's kind of a little bit on Twitter and a little bit in Instagram comments. We like the idea of that all happening on a YouTube page. Yeah, it's nice on YouTube that people can comment specifically on that episode, whereas commenting on our Instagram or Twitter could be for any episode that they've recently listened to. That is definitely nice that like you can comment on a specific episode. Something that Samir and I have been dealing with, though, is feeling like there's no stable place for the community to go back to. That if they want to talk mm-hmm. about something when we haven't put up a new upload, where do they go? 
And we, you know, we just started sort of shouting out our Reddit community and taking a lot of questions from Reddit. And that's been a great first step. But I wonder if there's another place. And I would urge you guys to think about the same thing. Like, yeah. you know, YouTube's cool because people can comment. But after a couple of days, when that video goes, people don't go back to that video right. to engage with fans. Again. Yeah, I think discovery and community might be, you know, separate right now. I would say just to, to go from you know, on the community point, I think, you know, thinking about where does your audience currently have their community engagements? Maybe it's Slack, mm -hmm. maybe it's Discord, maybe, you know, like where does that community currently live? And then is there an opportunity to find your way into that? I feel like you guys are ripe for Slack. Yeah. Like not many people, not many creators there. do yeah. communities on Slack, but yeah. I've been to, I love Slack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny check because that is the question. Is it Slack? Yeah. Is it Discord? Right. Um, is it Reddit? Is it Facebook groups? Those are basically the mm -hmm. four we've identified. Yeah. And then you kind of have this interesting entrepreneurial question, which is, you don't want to tell people to go somewhere yep. that may not work, and then they may not trust you to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, it may be hard to tell organically where they are meeting. So is this the kind of thing you would do a survey on? Is this the kind of thing you would just kind of experiment with by doing one on each without announcing anything? Like, how would you approach this? I think there's always a great uh, way there's always a great opportunity to ask your audience like we were really toying with mm -hmm. discord and granted we asked our reddit community about discord but they gave us really good feedback about why reddit is better than discord in that um on reddit there's like a democratic system for voting content up to the top and on discord it felt uh -huh. like overwhelming to have you know tons and tons of messages and not be able to know what is the top message like if i if i just pop in once a day what are the top things that i should know about so that was a really interesting yeah. feedback to ask our community and actually hear it um so i i always think there's an opportunity to talk to the community and you guys have such a great platform in the pod that you can ask mm -hmm. like where do you want to hang out um you know and mm -hmm. at least get get some sense for that on the discovery side i'm curious jack mm -hmm. you mentioned tiktok I'm very curious mm -hmm. to talk about TikTok because I think, I think the marginal cost of distribution on TikTok is exponentially lower than the marginal cost on YouTube. Really? Exponentially. I was wow. going to okay, say we were the thinking opposite. the opposite. Yeah. Okay. This is I, great to hear. Like on TikTok, you do not have a barrier of a title and thumbnail. Like your mm. content is just getting into a for you page and it's, it's a little bit of content gambling. It's the closest thing to gambling that I think you can do in content where mm -hmm. you're, you're, it's low risk though. You're just putting content up there and you know, we've had moments of our pod that have millions of views on TikTok, and we have moments of our pod that have 10,000 views. And you guys are so topical and yeah. the life cycle of content on TikTok is so fast. I feel like you guys could get caught up in that, which is great. And, as long as your first line is good, like you just start your TikTok on an interesting first line, mm -hmm. I think you could end up seeing a lot of a lot of growth. Yeah, a po pod clips do really well on TikTok, and again, it's like you don't have this unbelievable barrier of packaging. People aren't having to click on the content. They're just being fed the content. So mm -hmm. if and when it works, it works at a, at a extreme scale. So. That's that's my take on it, that I think you have a lot more cost involved in succeeding on YouTube. While there's no barrier to title and thumbnail, there is a barrier to using TikTok's like editor tools, right? You'll have to pull the content into, you know, you have to develop a format and style similar to what you guys have on, you know, your Google Doc for your episodes. You'll You'll work towards creating a format for your editor that says, we need a hook line in the beginning. We need 
you know, X amount of seconds of content in the middle, cutting back mm-hmm. between Jack and Nick. Jack and Nick are full frame when they're on, on or they're split screen or, you know, and then there mm-hmm. is a CTA to check out the full pod, you know, at the link in our description. Like you'll, de- you'll, you'll have to test and develop a format. The great thing about yeah. TikTok that, you know, this, this creator named Ty Veritas told us is when it's, when it's bad or it doesn't work or there's low viewership, no one sees it anyway. (laughs) It's so interesting that it's not really a part of the culture to go look at someone's TikTok page and see all the viewership. Whereas on YouTube, it is part of the culture, right? Like you look at the YouTube page, you look at the subscriber count, you look at like views are a validation to if I should click on the video or not. Mm -hmm. It's so different when it comes to, you know, TikTok. So I think that's why it's like easier to get your start on TikTok. So that's what it's so helpful to hear you say this because Jack and I always imagined that there was actually a high friction point, and that friction point was that we needed to model different content to work mm. on TikTok that was more maybe staged, maybe more thematic on trends, maybe green screens. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We thought it was a more investment. It seems what you're saying though is actually the content we have would work, and the barriers to actually getting that content up are. And this is what's made TikTok so powerful. It's the least friction-oriented platform of any right. of them. So rather than worry about the content, just focus on the opportunity, which is how easy it is to actually put the material up there and then just see what works. Yeah. Because even if it doesn't work, there's no cost to it not working. Yeah, right. I mean, for us, we've had some segments okay. of our podcast do really well on TikTok where we just cut the moment of the podcast and then put a graphic that says what we're talking about. Like, here's the topic. <laughs> here we are talking. Right. And if you see that in the first yeah. second and you read the topic and you go, that's a topic I'm interested in, then you'll listen, you'll watch. And it mm. didn't necessarily have to be a video saying like, my money don't jiggle, jiggle, it falls. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I wish it was. Sometimes I wish, I wish I had the time to really create one of those videos. I, I also yeah. wish I had it in me. <laughs> the confidence yeah, to make the confidence to do that. But unfortunately, I did not. <laughs> well, guys, we got four of us yeah. right here. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's take care of it. But yeah, I would say like that's, you know, just it's going to be, so, you know, all of this is post-production work. Right. So it's not like it's there's really I don't think an answer to, you know, what's what's the lowest lift, because I think that going all in on on some of these platforms has has, you know, an investment attached to it. And I think YouTube is the highest investment in social media by far. That's coming from Mm. career, you know, YouTube creators who, you know, live and breathe YouTube. But I would say I really do. It depends on what success looks like to you on YouTube. And I guess that would be an interesting question for you guys is what would success be on YouTube? Mm -hmm. Is it monetizing the video separate from the audio eventually? Is it, you know? I guess we consider the opportunities of having a business on YouTube, like that would be equally valuable to us as driving people to Mm. the podcast. Mm -hmm. But those are the two outcomes that we would take value in. Um, We totally like respect the post-production work and Nick and I have so much work to do with the pod. And that's why um, we're just trying to weigh like what's the best ROI for us What's the best place where we can do post-production work or contract that out and get the best return? And the, the other key thing is use the content we're already right. creating because if we have to create totally fresh content, that's yeah. just, that's going to change the I, ROI. Dynamics. I do think that right now the great news is that this, this creator economy that's you know, being developed right now is not limited to the, to the talent or the people who are making the show. I think there are supporting roles that are emerging and and people who are incredibly YouTube native who are also interested in the topics that you guys are covering that would love to come develop Mm. 
you know, this brand on YouTube. So that's, that's, I think like one of the, the biggest advantages of this moment in time is that there's people who are really plugged into the, to how YouTube works and are great video editors and are fans of your show. Like that it's in your audience. There's someone in your audience who, who would be really excited about this. And I would say when you look for this person, yeah. I wouldn't concern yourselves too much with quantity of output right now. I mean, you guys are putting up what, four mm. episodes a week on your YouTube channel? Five, yeah. Five? I mean, that's that's totally absurd. Like, like right. one good episode a month is actually better than 20 that don't work, right? But, like, so I think, like, when you're working with this person, I would say give them, if they're the right person, a little bit of that ability to, like, maybe take one of the segments and make it really how it, it might work for YouTube. You know, I, do four videos a month, maybe. I'm going to try my best Nick and Jack analogy right now. Okay. I think the pod is like, I think, I think your pod is like athletic. I'm so nervous right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I'm about nervous this too. Now, I just got really nervous. Um, but I think your pod is like athletic greens. It's like once you start drinking yeah. it every morning, you can't stop. You feel weird when Gosh. you don't do it. Our right? analogies are so niche. Yeah, they're too niche. Right, okay, yeah. but that's what it's like. They're also, I think, paid. I'm pretty sure this is a paid analogy. This might yeah. be an ad. Um, <laughs> Where's the promo code, Samir? <laughs> promo code, the greatest one yet. Um, th- then the, the, the YouTube, this is absurd, actually. I'm going to abandon yeah. this analogy. <laughs> no, no, run with it, run with it, run with it. This is absurd. Run with it. I want to go to Nick and Jack analogy yeah. school. Yeah, uh, this was bad. You guys make I, everything so accessible and understandable. Had, I had the most absurd <laughs> like, analogy for what your like, YouTube channel You know channel that was. feeling when you yeah. sit in Delta One? Yeah, yeah. See, even there, then that, 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 <laughs> more people drink athletic greens than that. Yeah. Colin. All I'm saying but is our analogies are extremely bottom niche. line. Like where what Colin's mentioning, I think is important. Like the, the, the concept of your audio pod, in my opinion, is like the routine of, of it, right? Like I get to engage with you every mm-hmm. morning. You're part of my morning routine. That's really important on YouTube. One thing that we've noticed is, you know, we release our show every Monday, but some of our best episodes that have performed incredibly well over time we've been late to release them, right? They release on a Wednesday or on a Tuesday morning because we were, you know, messed up in our editing timeline. And the, the learning lesson there is what you really realize is that YouTube is a library. It's a library of content. So you're throwing something up onto your mm-hmm. YouTube channel that's actually meant to be viewed over long periods of time. Um, that's that's a huge difference with YouTube, right? Like you, what you, do, you don't really want actually something that's only going to be viewed that day because you've limited the audience significantly. Um, the best YouTube channels are, are somewhat of evergreen libraries. Um, and I think that's where the opportunity is on YouTube. And maybe, you know, just to take a step back and, and start to craft what that YouTube product looks like, it might be a weekly product of the best of, you know, the stories or one of the stories that's mm-hmm. built out a little bit more with some B-roll and some graphics and you know, it might be, that might be the YouTube product that actually nets out more viewership than putting out one a day. It's helpful to hear you hear the, say this, Samir, and we did like the analogy. That worked out nicely. Okay, um, thanks. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah, I didn't say what I thought the Snacks Daily YouTube channel was. I didn't wait, finish yeah, it. I was going to say, I don't think I we don't, fin- What was the analogy? I don't want to finish it. Yeah. Okay, I fine, I'll finish like it. I pictured like one of those yeah. lockers at Sweetgreen with all the salads in it. Like a library. That is way better uh, than what I was going to say. So let's go with that. It's a locker at Sweetgreen. Yeah. You know, I like this library vision um, because one thing Jack and I always wonder is, you know, we're a news product. So does this lose value, um, you know, when we say it? But maybe what we're saying every day, these news stories related to like mm-hmm. earnings or some company update, 
maybe they lose particular value in the podcast sense because there's a single right. feed of episodes. But in the library of YouTube, you know, the story we did today on coffee creamers hitting an all-time high, even if they're not an all-time high two months from now, that's still a unique mm -hmm. and interesting story that fits in a library, even if it's more of a historical story and a historical book. So maybe Jack and I focus less on, oh, this was too news-oriented to have evergreen value. Maybe that's true in audio, but in video, on YouTube in particular, maybe it actually continues mm -hmm. to have value and we haven't optimize that part yet. It might just be a different entry mm -hmm. into it, right? A different line that brings you into yeah. that story rather than, you know, something more topical. I also find that a lot of your guys' takeaways have evergreen value. Right. Mm -hmm. Every time I get a takeaway, it's not it's not news oriented. Right. Like it's actually a, a lesson about the overall market or, or the way things are moving. Sometimes that that news story is barely mentioned in the takeaway. Exactly. Yeah. There, there could be a world too where this is, you know, you again, you add a couple of lines of, of voiceover at the end um, that are plugged into the different stories, and then maybe this 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 turns into like animations and graphics. There, there's a creator that you should check out named Patty Galloway, mm -hmm. P A D D Y. Um, he covers cr like YouTube creators and like strategies around YouTube creators. Uh, he's, a, he's an awesome creator, but. You know, it's all just his voice and then these like really incredibly simple graphics that are teaching you things about YouTube. I would follow him, period, just because you guys are exploring mm -hmm. YouTube. But as an example of what I think, when I think about how the Snacks YouTube product might differ from the audio yeah. product. T-Boy. What? You said Snacks. Oh, from the T-Boy. Yeah, wow. <laughs> good call. I thought you were just calling me a T-Boy. I was like, <laughs> what's happening, Colin? <laughs> um, yes, when the T-Boy audio product um, differs from the YouTube product, I think, you know, the the, the visuals uh, that can go along with it outside of, you know, um, you know, you guys on camera, there could be some other elements. And I think one employee could do a lot with yeah. what you guys are already putting down. Agreed. Like, I don't think it's... Yeah. It's a, you're not recording an entirely new video. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Great. Okay. That's, that's the, that's the biggest question or the, the one thing we'd always be worried about is like, we've always felt like distribution um, is its own hard thing, but we've always felt like content creating good content is just the hardest thing at the end of the day. So of course, how can we optimize the existing content and minimize as much as possible creating new material? Yep. I also think there might be a world where you guys test like, uh, uh, when a top story is about something that has to do with YouTube, mm. you know, then titling the YouTube video in that way. So that again, it's like relevant and searchable on YouTube testing. One of those I think is interesting, but I think there's like an R and D like era of YouTube that just is the reality and the algorithm shifts and audiences interests shift and your interests are going to shift. And that's, you know, this world of, of finding content market fit on YouTube. That's, you know, somewhat of a moving target at times uh, that you have to also be malleable enough to adjust with the times right now, even for Colin and I, we're exploring shortening our intro. Our intro is six seconds, but we've gotten feedback that it's too long. <laughs> wow. Um, and, you know, our intro animation we're recognizing is it might be too long. We're, we're noticing we might be miss We might be losing people during the six second intro animation. And um, that's something that we're, we're exploring to, to either cut in half or cut out completely. So there's like totally different considerations on YouTube, which is crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Amazing how many variables. I think the average Snapchat user yeah. decides before one second. Right, yeah. right. Which is, I don't even know what that time frame looks like. like so they haven't even opened the app yet, and they don't even want to yeah. see yeah. us. They're, yeah. they're already bored. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just sense they're not going to like whatever we're putting yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what do you guys want the future of the... Um, t-boy brand to look like like what's the next chapter what's the next uh, what's the north star right now for you guys one thing we've thought of is that you know nickelodeon just transformed kid shows that used to be all entertaining in like the 90s um, mtv completely changed the way people perceived music and entertainment and we feel like with business news everything is still so anchored into business at the end of the day uh, and that affects the branding, the graphics, the jargon, the storytelling. Even for those, even when we look at our initial products like Market Snacks, like, you know, if the logo was a bowl, even though it was a bowl with sunglasses, it's still tied into that. So with the best mm -hmm. one yet and with T-Boy, Jack and I went through a, a deep, really kind of almost therapeutic strategy work with a strategist. And then we went through graphic design work with a graphic designer based on that strategy after we built out a whole deck with a strategist. Um, to rethink this concept as pop biz. And so what our goal is, is really to create essentially a brand that is all about business news, but never makes you ever think it's about business news. And you're enjoying it for mm. the entertainment value of it, even though you're also getting so much out of it financially, personally, just making you a more interesting person. And so when you like look at T-Boy, like our logo, our branding, like right behind us, it's all about business news. And yet it has nothing to do with business news at first. I love that. That's really good framing. Cool. And I think you guys are, you guys are definitely doing that right cool. now. Uh, you've introduced me personally to a show that, you know, I uh, otherwise wouldn't know many of the things that I know, uh, you know, three new stories a day. Uh, and, and I think it's like, it's really cool to have this um, digestible piece where you also feel like you're building such a good relationship with you guys. Like I feel prior to even talking to you guys like this, this is exactly how I expected you to be. Right. Cool. Which is, I think the best relationships that you have with creators uh, and the most authentic shows are, are that when you meet the creator and you're like, Oh my God, you are, that is you. Like you are really doing the thing <laughs> <laughs> that you're meant to be doing. So that's awesome. Well, it goes both ways. The authenticity and the friendship that you guys that we just feel when we're watching you guys and we've watched you guys more than you've watched us. Cause you know, we've just been audio and you guys have been dominating <laughs> video. Um, it, it absolutely goes both ways. Like it feels like this is our 12th interview, not our first interview with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I also just think you guys are extremely technically competent and deliver kind of technical best practices to your audience in a way that's still fun. Like I've listened to your, mm. your Mr. Beast episodes, the interview you had with the YouTube chief revenue officer, the kind of tell all email you sent last week about your shorts development. I just think tell all screenshots of your yeah. data and yeah. analytics page. That's tell all baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I think you do a great, <laughs> that's, that's pop creator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is. No, it, it is. I think yeah. it's, it's delivering technical information in a, in an entertaining way. So, I mean, Jack, have we ever done an interview where we were laughing during the interview and taking notes during the interview? I don't think we've ever done mm, that. Good point. The athletic greens of the podcast. Yeah, there you go. yeah we're going to steal that takeaway. We're going to steal like an artist yeah. on you guys. Yeah. That's our second. Well, cool. Did we answer all of your questions? I don't want to leave uh, without 
answering. One final question. Yeah. We never talked about Instagram or Twitter on this. And I know, Colin, you had some cool. comments on your last creator support show about Instagram. Um, but, you know, any interest or thoughts there? Or do you think that, like, do you think that's just not an area to focus on at all? Or do you think that's just a totally different strategy? Should I share, Nick, what our instinct is on this? Yeah. Yeah. Which is that Instagram and Twitter, we think that's where our audience is right now, our existing audience. And so we think that's where we, I mentioned earlier, we want to invest in our audience and that's just connecting with them and showing them that we love them and <laughs> finding ways to connect to them yeah. directly. And we think that's on Instagram and Twitter, but we don't th see that as a place for us to find new audiences. Yeah, I, th I think that's probably right. I mean, what Samir and I have been talking a lot about is what is the expectation of our audience on Instagram? If we upload a, you know, one minute vertical short video that, uh, is highly edited and is trying to teach you something about creators. Do we really expect that someone on Instagram is going to sit and consume that minute? And mm -hmm. I don't think, uh, I don't think we can, um, accurately assume that expectation out of them. I think our Instagram audience comes to touch base and see in an instant, in a photo, in a really quick video, what are Colin and Samir up to? Oh, they had this creator on their show. Mm -hmm. And often we find that when we run into friends or fans in, in, in public, they bring up what was most recently on our Instagram, yeah. what the photo was, not necessarily the episode. Huh. It's definitely a place where our tight-knit community is, but not to get the same value prop as the show. Yeah, we, we uh, often say this, that the world glances, it doesn't read. And I think Instagram is the place where the world glances, where they're just going to glance and see what's the latest. Okay, got it, and I'm out. But where they're going to actually dig in is... I would say audio is probably the, the place where you're really going to get the most engagement in your content. Um, you know, YouTube video uh, is there if you play your cards right. And then everything else, I think people are glancing and moving really fast. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's my perspective. On Twitter, I think, is a great place for you guys. Um, I would imagine that, like, somewhat similar to, to Morning Brew, if you wanted to go in that direction where I can just be there to like consume the news. But that is, I think someone who has to be, you know, pretty on, um, if it's more of a community engagement perspective, I do think that I assume that's the place where like, I would assume that's where I can reach you guys. Like I could tweet at you and you would see it. I'd also be interested in a, a looser conversation, like a Twitter spaces mm -hmm. because you guys are news centric. I know you do live on yeah. Instagram, but I feel like Twitter is such a news oriented place, obviously mm -hmm. that if I were to see, you guys talking on Twitter, I would definitely tune in. Good to know. Okay. Love that glance analogy too. Mm -hmm. That was great. So that one worked. That one worked great. Yeah. That, yeah, that, worked, one, yeah. that worked. Now we yeah. just have to pivot into a direct to consumer food company in, in some right. way. <laughs> well, you got all the ingredients. You're just yeah. working on the recipe, you know? Yeah. I would love a, a Twitter space. I agree with Colin on that. I think that would be really cool. Cause you could, you then like, that's where everyone's talking about the news, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, the, the stuff that you guys talk about on your pod every day, that's where people are going to talk about those things. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I don't think it's the same show as Instagram yeah. live, Nick. I think Instagram live, we've kept it just open, like come ask us anything. Right, I think Twitter right. space Twitter's is like subject. Let's focus. talk about the takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. There might be some, some discovery uh, on Twitter space. I, I'm, I can't speak from a ton of experience, but you know, I definitely would tune in as a fan on, on Twitter. Thank you. I want to ask you guys the, the framing around pop biz as opposed to maybe what business news has traditionally looked like. That's an effort, like you said, to make business news more accessible to the point where you don't even feel like you're taking in business news. You're just enjoying the entertainment. I think that's something we think about when it comes to creators 
and the you know creator economy news that potentially that term is even too inaccessible, and it applies to such a uh, maybe a, a small amount of people. Do you guys have thoughts on that or advice for how we could reframe the things that we talk about so that they would be more accessible? Well, to share with you more in our process for how we like even working with a strategist who came up with Pop Biz, we literally kind of went in and started from scratch. Like Jack and I literally went through and broke down every element of what we did into its core components um, from like, who are we actually reaching? Um, what does this person want? What are they doing in their lives? What are we researching? Where are we looking? What is our goal every day? Like we literally broke down all these components. And what we found out is like, the way we fit into people's lives is we were making them feel brighter. Um, we, were make, we were doing it with stories that hit on certain things. Like we had key terms we noticed, personality words we called them like zesty, but also legit. Um, there were like a lot of kind of anchoring things as we built out this foundation. It led to, oh, we have to create something new here. Uh, because business news doesn't describe it. In fact, the category, we're not even in business news on Apple or Spotify anymore. Um, so that's what kind of led to, this is like pop cultural in terms of the ritual it creates, um, but it happens to be focused on biz. So that's how we created biz news. So in terms of process to come up with something new for like creator economy news, we literally went through a, a deep strategy yeah, okay. session mm -hmm. where we broke down every element of who our customer is, who our, who our audience is, who our fan is, who we are. <laughs> Jack's my relationship, how we talk, yeah. the words, the stories we pick. It, a lot went into it. A lot went into it. Just to throw an idea out there, I, I do feel like your show is, at least maybe, it, maybe it's just me, but I feel like your show is about how to make money on the internet. In a, in a way. Right. And, and like, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that messaging is hit with creator economy. Like, creator economy yeah. sounds jargony a little. Totally. And, and people who are looking for that, of course, type that. But just like for Nick and me, we think we're reaching people who aren't looking for business news. And, um, and I guess the other side of that, Jack, is like, I'm now thinking of the way you described that. The way you and I also approached this was like, why did we want to reconnect with Colin and Samir? It's because as creators, and this was a great line we heard um, from someone who runs like a a startup focused on creators is the only people creators should care about are their fans or the only feedback you should care about are feedback from your fans or from other creators. Right. Anyone else doesn't matter. <laughs> so when Jack and I approached you guys again, we're like, Hey, we just relaunched is the best one yet. We were coming to you because a, you were better. You're, you're creators. So we wanted to get your thoughts as fellow creators. And then two, we wanted to do something for our fans, right? Which is create something and build something on YouTube where they can have more fun. So, the other way we think about you is like not creator economy, but like creating fan happiness. You guys mm. are the ticket to fan happiness, and we wanted to punch that ticket. That's our new tagline, Colin. Wow, the ticket to fan happiness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sold. <laughs> Maybe we drop fan and we just say the ticket to happiness. Yeah, Colin, yeah. So you're interested in happiness? Are the ticket to These happiness. tickets are yeah. free. Yeah. Come on over. <laughs> Cut the duh. That's awesome. That's great feedback. Yeah, I appreciate um, that, guys. I really appreciate that. And yeah, it's so, it's so cool to have this mutual relationship where you know we aspire to do what you guys are doing. Um, you know, we take a lot of inspiration from what you're doing. We really respect the grind that you guys have to, to make a daily show uh, for this many years and, and to navigate this, this entrepreneurial journey as creators, I think is, is amazing. And um, we love watching every step of the way. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, it was great being on the show and I really appreciate it. Really fun. All right, that's it for part two of our conversation with Nick and Jack from The Best One Yet. We hope you guys enjoyed that and got some value from that conversation about bringing audio 
into video. It's not as easy as I think a lot of people think. And if you're listening and you are a creator yourself and you'd like to have your question potentially answered by us on the show, you can do one of two things. Actually, you could do a multitude of things. You could tweet your question at us. You could subscribe to our newsletter, The Published Press. And if you scroll down to the bottom, there's an option there to ask us a question. Or you could join our Reddit, r slash Colin and Samir. You can put a question in there, see if the community likes it. Mm -hmm. If it gets upvoted to the top, maybe we'll answer it on the show. We're heading to VidCon this week. If you're there, we'll see you there. If not, we'll see you back here. We won't see you there. Yeah, if not, we will not see you there. But we will see you back here for another episode of The Colin and Samir Show. (laughs) 